Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. We are glad you are here this morning at Trinity Baptist Church. Um, I will not be speaking about superheroes today, and uh, some of you may be a little uh, thrilled at that. Some of you wish I would maybe talk on superheroes more, and so, um, but appreciate always Debbie's lessons, children's sermons, and how they they tie into the service. Um, Let me pray for us as we get going today. God, we thank you for a bit of time and space in very busy weeks to slow down and to set the responsibilities of our life, to set some of the burdens of our life, to set the anxieties of our souls uh, to the side and give them to you and sing and pray, be encouraged by baptism and children and hear a word from you. God, we need a word from you. You are who sustains us moment by moment, hour by hour. And so we're calling on you, God, to be faithful to who you claim to be, who we believe you to be, who we know you to be, and give a word for us today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13 today. If you've got your Bibles or your phones and would like to follow along, we're really going to walk straight through some of the passage today. And I'd like to read it for us uh, as we get going this morning, just to kind of help it soak into our minds and our hearts a little bit this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, and Paul writes this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it too will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes... The partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. We're going to be talking about love today. 
Surprise, surprise. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, this wonderful chapter we'll get back to in a minute. We're in our third week of a series called The Way of the Redeemed, where we're looking at the way of Christ in our world and the way Christ calls us to live, aspects of this. And we're kind of juxtaposing or comparing it, this ways of following Jesus with the way uh, sometimes we get Jesus a little confused or the way of Jesus skewed just a little bit or maybe messages that come in from the outside, places other than Jesus that, that tend to guide sometimes the way we live. So we're talking about of the way of Jesus. We talked about forgiveness. Um, excuse me, my mic cord is getting wrapped up around me here. Um, we talked about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness two weeks ago, the need to not punish others for, for the mistakes we make, the mistakes that are made in our life and extend forgiveness and how difficult and how wonderful that is. Last week, we talked about grace, which we defined as the unmerited favor of God that God gives us without earning it, without deserving it. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And we are called to receive this grace and extend this grace into the world. And today we're talking about love. We're setting it against fear, but I really could have used any number of other words or emotions or feelings that we substitute for love or that war with love. I mean, think about people that you love and struggle to love. Think about places or you know, political parties, things like this that we struggle to love. We often feel anxiety and we could say anxiety instead of fear. We could say distrust. Distrust makes it hard to love. We could say grudges that we hold make it hard to love. We could say unforgiveness and ungrace. These things we've talked about, they make it hard to love. And yet, there is this way of Jesus that calls us to love, and it gets one of its fullest expressions of what love is here in 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, I'm gonna speak to the married couples for just a minute. Um, how many of you had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding, show of hands? Few of us, few of us. How many of you don't remember what was read at your wedding? Yes. <laughs> Kelly, what, did we have 1 Corinthians 13? I can't remember. I kind of think we did. I'm glad I'm not in trouble because she doesn't remember either. Um, she was just so lost gazing in my eyes, I'm sure. <laughs> It's wonderful having the microphone sometime. Um, we, we, we say that we read this at weddings. I can't tell you how many weddings I've done as a pastor when, when people want to read this. And it's a wonderful passage. It's a beautiful passage. And it, it rings true. But, you know, when you're, when you're getting married, and we've either been to weddings or, or been the, you know, focus of the wedding as the bride or groom, many of us, most of us, one of those things. I mean, you don't have any idea what you're getting into. You, you have some idea of love. You have some feelings of love. You have some, some hopes of love, but you don't know how hard it's going to be. You don't know what that's going to look like over 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. The challenge of being love for one another over and over every day. Again, it's both more wonderful than you can imagine and when it's going well, and it's both harder than you can imagine on the days when it's harder. I've started reading this, using this text a lot at funerals because we really understand the depth and the difficulty of love, the joy and the pain of it, 
in, in death more than we do at those weddings, particularly of weddings of, you know, young people with their whole life in front of them that have no idea what they're doing, which is a lot of us when we got married there. You know, when, when we look back, say a husband or a spouse dies, you, you look back and, and, and all of the things love has been are felt in their loss in that moment. You feel that the difficult days of love and the happy days of love and the days when you failed to love well and, and made up and tried to do it again, you feel when, when maybe love broke in the past and you couldn't put it back together. We feel this. And it's kind of with that depth of feeling we need to come to 1 Corinthians 13. It's such a beautiful kind of piece of poetry almost. We can forget how the high call that is here and the real difficult nature to live in this way that Paul will call us to live over the course of our entire life. Not just with our spouses or our kids or the people in our lives that we love most, but those that we really struggle to love because the call is to love all of these the same. So with that in our minds, we're gonna shift here to 1 Corinthians 13 and we're just gonna kind of walk through it section by section. By section. So, Little background on 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter written to the church in Corinth who is basically at odds with one another. To put it, you know, pretty simply and quickly and not going all into it, there's factions and dissensions. They're mad at one another, some of them for any number of different reasons. And Paul writes this letter along with the 2 Corinthian letter. And there's probably a 3 Corinthian letter we don't have record of encouraging them to unity. And says, you guys, stop the fighting, stop the division, stop thinking some of you are better than others of you and others thinking they're, and just be unified in Christ. And he's imploring them to this over and over and over. And so right before this in chapter 12 is this wonderful chapter on spiritual gifts. Some of them thought in the church, for instance, if you had a prophetic gift and you could speak the truth of scripture and truth, that that was a higher gift than those that say have the gifts of hospitality or something. So they wanted to be lifted up. And Paul says in 12, no, no, no. You all have different gifts that, that are all equal in the sight of God. You're all many members of one body. Each of you need to fill out your gifts so that the body is healthy. It's not greater or lesser. It's different roles we all play. And he, he talks about that in 12. And then we come to 13. And he switches over to love as Christ defines it. And that's going to be really important today. Love as Christ defines it. And the first point to be made is that our, if our life isn't defined by love, then our life is just noise. Paul says this. He says in the first verse, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so if I've got beautiful speech and say wonderful things, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The literal translation is just like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, 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 oh gosh, I have written down, um, like just bra bronze that clunks together, clunking bronze. Like think of some unshaped metal that just bangs against other metal and is not pleasing, is, is dissonant to our ears. It doesn't inspire anything. It's just a awful waste, I mean, no use noise. He goes on, if I have prophetic powers, if I have all faith, if my faith is complete and mature, I am nothing. 
If I don't have love, then he changes from spiritual gifts to acts of service. If I give away everything I have, you know, for the hungry, for the homeless, something like that. If I give away everything, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I give up my body to be burned, if I die in service to Jesus, but have not love, I gain nothing. He lists these prominent gifts in the body and, and acts of service one could perform to say that no matter who we are, no matter how successful or unsuccessful in life, no matter what gifts we have to the body of Christ, no matter what we offer the world, if we do any of that without love, as Christ defines it, then it's just noise. It just isn't worth anything eternally, isn't worth anything in the kingdom of God. And love here, as Christ defines it, you're gonna get tired of me saying that, love as Christ defines it is the mark that we are called to bear. It is the highest ethic. It is the stamp. It is the tattoo. We all must have on our life, in our life, that shows Jesus more than anything else, more than our knowledge of scripture, more than our service to others, more than our worship attendance. Our life, if we are Christ, is to be marked, stamped, tattooed with love. And if we don't have it, the rest is just noise, just noise. Paul then shifts to the content of love. You know, this is really important section. Like highlight it, write it on your walls, right? Write it on your mirrors, um, see it every day because the he's saying this is his understanding of what Christ's love, how it looks in the world. This is understanding of if we take the love Jesus gives us and we attempt to live that out in the world, these are the ways that will look. It's not a comprehensive list. It's not the end all list, but it's a pretty darn good list that gives us a great vision of what loving like Jesus looks like in the world. And, and it's important because most of the other sort of messages we get about love from culture or, or from society, kind of the other movies and TV and music and whatnot, regardless of our taste, they get some things right, but they really miss the fullness of what love is as Jesus defined it. Uh, you know, you get this idea that love is like a uh, an elusive emotion, right? It's like out there somewhere and we're, we're seeking it in our relationships. And if we get really, really lucky, we like find love. Like it's again, like it's a Pokemon. You can go out there and find and catch, you know? And, and if you're lucky, you fall into it. And if you're unlucky, you fall out of it. That's just not scriptural. It's not biblical. It's not tough enough. <laughs> it's way too ethereal. You know, love shaped by romantic comedies. If you're probably about my age and Hugh Grant movies, you know, which I love, but that's not real love or love shaped by the Disney channel. If you're a little younger, right? I mean, that's not real love shaped by the Hallmark channel. If you're maybe a different generation and watch different things, love shaped by Taylor Swift or, you know, pick out your favorite artists. We get glimpses of affection, glimpses of how we are drawn together and need love, but they're all partial. 
they're all wrapped up neatly in a three-minute song or a 30-minute TV show or a, you know, hour and a half, 90-minute movie. And they don't show the, the, the depth, the breadth that is required. And so this is the, and, and then also love is just kind of flat in our language, the English language particularly. I mean, in any given week, maybe in any given day, I will say, I love my wife and I love my kids and I love my church, all of which are true in different ways. And then I'll also say like, I love breakfast tacos. And I mean, do none of those, now all of those are true. Look at me, right? No one's surprised of my love of breakfast tacos, but I love my wife and my kids equally, but in very different ways. I love this church deeply and I'm learning to day after day. But that is different from those love. It's a different thing. And then I love breakfast time. I mean, that's, that's a like, right? But somehow because we love everything, we can heart everything on social media. Uh, it just is sort of bleached out the context of what it means to love something. And so we need this primer by Paul to help fill in what does loving like Jesus loves look like, feel like? And this is what Paul says. He said, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love doesn't dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking, meaning it seeks the other's good more than our good. Love is not easily angered. That's a key one. It doesn't say not angry. It doesn't say not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Ooh, that's a hard one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Boy, the challenge of love is hard. It, it reads great, doesn't it? I mean, when you read this at wedding, isn't that just a beautiful poem? And then you imagine, you know, love is patient and kind when that baby just won't stop crying, right? Keep no records or wrongs when you've had the same fight with a loved one for like the 47th time. And you say, here we are again. Love is patient. Cancer. Hospice. Right? Love does not delight in evil when that person that has hurt us so bad finally gets what we kind of think is coming for them. And the love of Jesus is choosing to act in these ways, these kind ways, these patient ways, these gospel ways, not just once or not just in a moment, but again and again and again and again for as long as we all shall live together. I mean, in a marriage, it's going to be a long time, potentially. As we are in church together, it can be a long time. Think of the friendships you have in your life, the parents you have, the children you have. To love in this way means acting in this way, in ways that are hard, in ways when you don't feel like it, in ways when you're having a bad day, in ways when people are very unlovable. There aren't really exceptions given to this, you know? It doesn't say, take Thursday off. And just be who you want to be on Thursday. It doesn't say, you know, love your kids this way, even when they just won't stop complaining. It doesn't say, make sure everybody gets their act cleaned up and kind of acts in a certain way and is more lovable before we start extending this love. It doesn't say, it just says, this is what love is. 
And he might as well say over and over and over again and again and again, this is what love is until it becomes a habit, until it becomes kind of a state of being that, that, that is part and parcel of who we are. We get imaginations for living this way. It's challenging And it's the choice we are called to make through the power of the Holy Spirit again and again. All of the explanations of verb here aren't some ethereal feeling. They're not an emotion that's out there that we might catch like a bad or a good virus, depending on your take. They're all action verbs. If you're about my age, this was put immortally by the band DC Talk. Love is a verb. Love is something, it's an action. It's something you choose. It's something you do. It's something you receive, yes, from God. But it's also something like forgiveness, like grace that we put out in the world. We choose to act in these ways toward others. And this is the mark, the stamp, the highest ethic of those of us who call ourselves Christians, who dare to attempt to follow Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the mark that is to identify us more than anything else. And then Paul writes a really difficult phrase. I mean, it stopped me in my tracks studying this week, and I really had to think of whether I even wanted to mention this or just sort of stop right before this. Because then he says, depending on your translation, love never fails. Love never fails. Now, he, he could be talking about God's love for us, or other versions say love perseveres, which to persevere is to continue going no matter what. That's an easier translation, but love never fails seems to be maybe the the more accurate translation. If we're talking about God, I can get there. I don't always feel like God loves me or feel God's love, but I know he does. And when I don't feel it, that's more about me than it is about God. I believe God, as we talked about a few weeks ago, is the indiscriminate sower that is sowing love and sowing gospel things in our lives, in the world, and it's for us to receive that. I believe that. But in the rest of the chapter, Paul's not talking about God necessarily. He's talking about how we, the Corinthians particularly, real people, were to live out God's love. So he's talking to humans. And he dares write, God, love never fails. And all I could think of was the failure of love that's evident all around our world. All I could think of was my failures to love this week, to act patiently, kindly, to not keep records of wrongs this week to always hope and always protect uh, and all of these things. I could think of love and how it had failed me at times in life and where I have been hurt in life. I could think of other people in the world that we know love has failed them and it's been difficult for them. How can Paul write, love never fails? If we're going to preach this, we got to take that seriously. And the best I can do with it is that what we've talked about this week or the last two weeks in this series, that wrapped up into love, part and parcel of God's love for us is also the forgiveness of God and the grace of God. 
And the only way love can't fail as a whole is when we do fail to love, when we love imperfectly, when we hurt one another, that we practice forgiveness and grace. And so when I fail to love, when I harm someone else, when I offend someone else, I I am called to then seek their forgiveness and pray they extend forgiveness to me as an act of grace. When I am hurt, when I am offended, I am called to, to attempt over time to extend forgiveness, which therefore repairs love. It makes love possible again where it could have been broken. And, and, and what also makes this easier, love is really hard if I'm the only one doing it. If I'm the only one in the family, the only one in the church, the only one in the friendship attempting to live in these ways, kindly, gently, patiently, all of these things, it's really hard. But if we happen to be in space like a church where we are loving one another, it becomes so much easier because I can trust that Karen is seeking my good as I am seeking hers. I can trust that you are gonna deal kindly and patiently with me and I'm gonna try to do the same with you, that I'm gonna seek your well-being as you seek my well-being. And we have this reciprocal thing going on. And when we mix in forgiveness and we mix in grace, the unmerited favor of God, well, then we can see this picture that love might not fail. We fail. But through forgiveness and repentance and the grace, unmerited favor, love continues on, love heals. And in fact, weirdly, when we fail, that's an opportunity for love to increase because in that moment, the love increases when we must forgive and we must extend grace. That's where this whole sermon series comes together. It's really difficult. But when we fall back on the practices of forgiveness and grace, Love doesn't fail. Friends, there will be barriers to love. They will throw themselves up regularly in all of your relationships where you are attempting to love. You will be tempted constantly not to love in this way. And there will be good reasons not to. Fear will creep up. What if you are patient and kind and don't keep record of wrongs? There's fear in that. Will you just be walked over? How will, how will that work? You will, you will have anxiety edge in of what this will look like in the world. Will you get yours? Will your rights be, will they matter and be honored? There's fear and anxiety in that. Distrust will wrap up. Old grudges will come up. Jealousies, rationalizations, all will try to claim your heart and lead you away from the path of love like Jesus loves. Yet, loving like Jesus is the highest call of our faith. It is to be our calling card. It is to be what we are known by. When we die, if they said five words about us at our eulogy, two of them should be about the love we sowed and shown in the world. It's what to be, just to be what we are known by. And it's never too late to start. (laughs) 
We all struggle with it. We all have areas we're better and weaker. It's never too late to start writing this story of our life that is grounded in the love God showed us and that we show the world. Friends, your life will resound in the world. You live and you act and you have your being in your jobs and in your families and in your friends and everywhere you enter on any given week, you, you make a noise, you have an impact. And for those of us who, who live as followers of Christ and live with people around people that know we're followers of Christ, the impact you have on them from the quick two-minute interaction with a cashier at HEB to the friends you know longest, to the neighbors you live by, to the people you work with, to the people you've known your whole life, all of them are looking at you one way or the other, whether they know it or not, and they're getting an impression of who God is by the way you live. What noise are you making in the world? David Garland writes about this text. He taught at Truett Seminary where I worked and went to school. And he, he says this about that resounding gong or clanging cymbal thing. He said, maybe... The resounding gong is like banging on a pot and pan. You know, it's just not pleasing at all. It's not music. It's just noise. It's made to annoy people. It's made to like leave a bad taste in your ears or sound in your ears rather. Taste is other, other sense there. The, uh, it's made not to be pretty. But he said a symbol on the other hand is carefully cultivated and hit just so, and it fills the room with beautiful noise. And he said, maybe Paul is drawing a distinction. What sort of noise is your life going to leave? Are you going to be this clanging gong, this banging of pots and pans that just leaves a bad feeling in your ears and everyone around you? Or when your life resounds, through the way you speak and live and have your being, is it more like a symbol or a timpani or that right chord being strung that, that goes out and is beautiful and leads people closer to love? We're all going to leave a message. We can choose in the power of spirit which noise we produce with our life. Let me pray for us. God, you call us to love. You call us to many things, but this first and foremost, everything else will pass away and this will remain. More than anything we can do with our life to live as a person who loves like you love is our highest ethic, our highest calling, our prime goal. If we get that right, so many other things in our life come along in line. And yet it is hard and we will slip up and we will fail and, and we will fall short. And yet you were there to forgive even as we forgive. You were there to extend grace even as we extend grace. And so we ask your help to be a loving people. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with senior pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.